0: Special thank you to the Bell Choir under the direction of Eric Hirschfeld and to Kay Nolte on the organ for providing us with the music to start our service this morning. It looks like winter has arrived, and I also want to greet you and welcome all of you and those listening on radio to our worship service this morning at First Church on this third Sunday of Advent. Several announcements before we get started. The giving tree, which benefits the Elizabeth New Life Pregnancy Center, is still up in the back of the sanctuary. If any of you have picked up a tag off of there and have uh, uh, purchased a gift for the children, you may leave them underneath the tree or take them to the church office. That tree will be up through Christmas Eve. Also, children, Christa, uh, let me get my tongue cleared out of here. The children's Christmas program is next Sunday and will begin at 10.15 a.m. There will be also no Sunday school that day. Christmas Eve candlelight service starts at 7.30 p.m. We will begin the service that evening with music that will start at 7 7 p.m., but the service itself will start at 7.30 We will have a Christmas morning worship service, as usual, which will start at 9 a.m. on Christmas Day. There will also be no Sunday school that day. This week, we are launching something new for our congregation and radio listeners. Beginning this week, we are introducing the Ask the Pastor phone number. You can call or text the number below and leave a message. Pastor Joel will answer your questions regarding his sermon or preaching. He may respond to you directly, or he will get on his blog or a Facebook live post to respond to you. We hope this will be a great way for you to continue to interact with the sermons and deepen your understanding of God's Word. The number is 419-405-3265. The 3265 translates into FCNK, First Church New Knoxville. This morning I'd like to welcome up, I see her here someplace, where is she? Well there she is. Tori Russell, our youth director. She'd like to inform you on some information considering fundraiser for our youth.
1: Good morning. Um, as all of you know, January, we start all of our fundraising for our mission trips and Young Life this year. Um, so for Young Life this year, we're going to Michigan. Um, it's Camp Timberwolf up in Lake City, so we're really excited about that in June. Um, and then for our mission trip, we're going to Stevensville, Ohio um, in July with the seventh and eighth graders and a couple high schoolers have signed up for that as well. Um, But in order to get there, we need your help, and one of the new fundraisers we're doing this year is a cookbook, because it's been a while since we've done one as a church, and I love to cook, so I'm really excited about seeing all the different recipes, and we've already gotten quite a few, Um, but right now it's more of a packet, so if we could get some more recipes, I know you guys all have great old German recipes, I've heard, Um, So if you want to submit those, or if you'd like to submit um, recipes from the old cookbook, that's fine as well. Um, We're not going to go through and resubmit those recipes. Um, I'm going to kind of trust you guys to do that if you want to, Um, or if you want to put updated recipes or basically anything that tastes good, looks good, all of that. Um, So those recipes need to be submitted to me uh, by February 1st. So I know it's a little bit off, but Christmas is a great time to get out the recipe book and see what's Good in there and what you want to put in to our church one Um, And we're hoping to have those done by Mother's Day So they'll go on sale for Mother's Day Maybe even a little bit before um, So you guys can all have your church cookbook So and students um, If you have not gotten your mission trip deposit in Please get that to me today And if you're looking to go to Young Life I have the slips and everything for that So come and see me and I will get you started on going those on those trips. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Tori. Now to start our worship service this morning, would you please rise and join me in our call to worship? This is based on Philippians 4, verses 4 and 5. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. Near. We rejoice in the hope of Christ's coming. Let us worship God. Please remain standing as we sing our opening hymn, which is taken from the Blue Hymnal, number 125, "Joy to the World." Amen. Seated. To light our Advent candle this morning, we welcome Brad and Chris Tohoge along with their children Connor, Caleb, and Courtney.
2: Soon we shall celebrate the birth of Jesus. We worship God with joy in our hearts as we are reminded of the words Jesus spoke to his disciples. If you keep my commands, You will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's command and remained in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be complete.
3: Uh, First scripture comes from Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 11. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord.
4: We light this scandal to proclaim the coming of the light of God into the world. With the coming of this light, there is joy, joy that is ours, not only at Christmas, but always.
3: Our second scripture reading comes from Luke, chapter 4, verses 16 through 21. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet of Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is in me, because he has anointed me, to proclaim good news to the poor, He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fasted on him. He began by saying to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing.
2: Let us pray. Oh, Holy One, as Christmas draws near, there is a sent, sense of excitement in the air. We can feel joy in our lives and see the, in those around us. Still, for some of us, this is a sad time because of unhappy things that have happened in our lives. Help us to have the joy that does not depend on earthly happiness, but on you. Help us to be filled with your joy so that we may share in it with the joyless world. Amen.
4: What we're talking about today? No, we're not talking about snow, but for some people, the snow can bring this in their lives. Joy, good job. We're talking about joy. What does joy make you do? Fire. Joy doesn't make fire. Joy brings... Smile and joy brings Oh oh smile it doesn't make you smile and joy brings such happiness in our lives, right? What is something that makes you guys extremely happy?
0: When somebody gives me presents.
4: When somebody brings you presents because Christmas is coming up and we all get presents, what makes you happy? Getting a dog. What makes you happy? Uh, Throwing snowballs at my daddy. Uh, Throwing snowballs at your daddy. What makes you happy? (laughs) Nothing makes you happy? What can make you happy, guys? Xbox. An Xbox. Okay, so we're doing toys today. (laughs) Reading the Bible makes us happy. Because it's got wonderful stories in there that teach us all about joy and how to be kind to each other. Can a hug make you happy? Does mom and dad, when they give you hugs, does that make you happy? Sort of. Sort of. Oh, when mom and dad lay you guys down at night and maybe read you some stories, does that make you happy? Oh, they read you stories? Good. I have an activity for you guys, but we really need the congregation's help in this next activity. And you guys get like 10, 15 seconds, okay? Joy is bringing a light into somebody else's life, that God brings a light into our life. So what I want you to do, anybody in the congregation, if you're willing, like up close, If you're willing to participate, just put your hand out. Because the kids are going to come out and tap your hand. They're going to spread joy by a high five this morning. But different ways you guys show joy is by giving hugs, by doing your smile. That brings joy into somebody else's life, whether you know them or whether you don't. So if you see somebody's hand up, I want you guys just to go tap one hand and then come right back. Still got some hands out here? There's some hands over here. You got a hand? Here, Courtney, come tap my hand. Come tap my hand. I have two hands. Awesome. Did you guys each get a hand? Yeah. Yeah. And look, are those people smiling? Yeah. I see smiles on everybody's hand that was tapped. You guys just brought joy into somebody else's heart this morning. So just remember that in the giving of Christmas season, to bring joy into somebody else's heart is not the big things in life, but it's the small things in life. So if you guys want to bow your heads, we're going to go ahead and pray right now. Dear Jesus, We so thank you for bringing joy into our lives today and in our hearts. Please teach, dear Lord, these kids to spread joy through giving a hug, of a handshake, of a smile, and of a helpful deed. We thank you for your unending love, Lord. In your son's Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
5: Morning. Before we go to the Lord in prayer, I just want to um, highlight uh, something that's not in your bulletin. Uh, I wasn't sure about all the details by the time the bulletins needed to be printed. So um, there's nothing in there, but there will be in the coming weeks. Uh, Eric Hirschfeld approached me, um, I think it was last week after church and, and asked if there was something that we could do about uh, helping out those that are in the Gatlinburg, Tennessee area that have been devastated by the wildfires recently. And so um, we came up with the idea of trying to collect items that are needed and bringing them down to one of the established, um, resource points that are already in place down there in that area. So, uh, his cluster group are actually gonna, is actually kind of taking that on as, as a project for them to do. They're gonna be organizing and, and transporting that, those goods, but, um, they're looking for our help of, of donating items and things that would come in need. So I have a list of things, uh, that are needed, um, Basically, new clothes for children, uh, men's boots, um, laundry detergent, uh, personal hygiene items, uh, non-perishable food items, uh, shovels and rakes, water hoses, work gloves, mops and brooms, can openers, lots of different things. Um, this list can be made available if anyone's interested. Um, and I'm not exactly sure of the the details of where to drop them off. That information will be coming. Uh, we'll get that to you. But uh, for now, if you want more information, you can talk to myself or Eric Hirschfeld, and uh, how you can help out with that project. I think it's a great way to um, help those in need. What a what a great way to spread joy than to to be there for people in their midst of their uh, their loss and everything. So uh, you can talk to us for more details. I think we're hoping to collect things over the next few weeks, and then possibly make a delivery uh, shortly after Christmas, I believe is the goal. But more details about that we'll, we'll be following. Uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer at this time. Father, we are so uh, grateful and thankful during this time of year to, to have the kind of joy that can only come from you. Uh, Lord, so often the holiday season is a time of happiness and, and, and joyous occasions, time to spend with family and friends and and get presents. And all those all of those things, Lord, can bring us uh, moments of happiness uh, but we we understand and we realize lord that lasting joy uh, joy that will weather the good times in life and the bad times in life can only come from you and having that relationship with you so i pray that as we uh as we celebrate your birth this time of year uh, we pray jesus that you'd give us that kind of joy that lasts beyond anything that may come in our way anything that may uh May upset us or, or cause, Lord, us to to lose our happiness uh, from a worldly perspective. Help us to focus in on the joy that you provide us. Uh, Lord, that's especially true for those that are listed in our bulletin who are in need of prayer, whether it's health concerns or other things. Lord, um, Lord, help them to have the joy that can be found only in you. Help them to to look to you for comfort and peace during this time. And Lord, we pray that you would be with them, that you would uh, bring healing where it's needed You would bring uh, provision where it's needed, Lord, Um, and especially as we think of those that are in the Tennessee area who have been devastated by these wildfires over the last few weeks. We pray that you would provide for them and be a source of strength and comfort for them. And I pray that that those from this church and community, as well as uh, others around this country, Lord, would be able to go and and be a source of uh, your working in their lives, be a source of joy for those who have lost so much recently. Uh, We thank you for all these things, and we pray them in the name of your Son, Jesus, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. At this time, I invite those who are helping with the offering to come forward. Uh, the bell choir is once again going to be blessing us with some music during this time. Father, we thank you for these gifts that you've given us. And we pray now that this offering would, would be a blessing to those um, who receive it. In Christ we pray. Amen. I invite you to st- remain standing as we sing together number 131, Angels from the Realms of Glory. Seated. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this day. Uh, Thank you again for uh, all that you've done for us and all you continue to do for us as we're reminded of that during this time of year as we celebrate the coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I pray that you would uh, help us to focus now on your word and and the message of joy that you bring us and how we can then share that, Lord, share share that joy with others. Pray, you give me words to speak and open up all of our hearts and minds to what you have to say to us today. In Christ, we pray. Amen. So this is the third week of Advent. Uh, for those of you that have been with us uh, since since the Sunday after Thanksgiving, we've been working through what are, are the traditional themes, I guess you could say, of of Advent. Uh, we've looked at the first week of hope and the hope that we have in Christ, and that hope is is the confidence. Uh, is is our confidence in the promises of God which are ultimately fulfilled in Jesus. Uh, Last week we looked at peace and how we can have peace with God and it's only possible through Jesus in His life, death, and resurrection. So this week we're going to look at the third theme, which is joy. And joy is the natural result of our hope in Christ and the peace that we have with God because of what He's done for us. So you see these themes, they kind of fit together. We've been building on them one after, one after the other. And so joy is the natural outcome of those first two themes. If we have hope in the Lord and trust in His, in His Word and in His promises, and if we have, have acted out on that trust and put our trust in Him and what He's done for us and have peace with God, then naturally joy should be the result of that. Joy is another major theme of, of Philippians, the book that we preached through this fall. Uh, Philippians four four was was part of your call to worship this morning, and it told us to rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. And as we as we looked at Philippians together, we saw that Paul of of all people probably had a reason to not rejoice, right? He was writing that letter from a jail cell. He had experienced a lot of hardship and suffering for the sake of the gospel, uh, right? He he had some pretty, he was run out of town on multiple occasions simply for preaching God's word and sharing that hope and that peace with others. And so of all people, Paul probably had a reason to not be joyful because of the experiences that he had, because of the, the hardships that he experienced. But yet he was able to say over and over again that he was rejoicing in the Lord. Then he encouraged us to rejoice as well. You see, joy is not the same thing as happiness. We often get the two confused. Happiness is something that's based on our external circumstances. Right? Happiness is a temporary and, and sometimes fleeting thing because our situation, our, our experience may change on a whim. Right? If you, if you don't believe me, try to take a toy away from a two-year-old. Right? they will be unhappy very quickly. It happens, right? And the, the same thing happens with us. Something comes up. We may be happy one day and then something comes up. We have an issue at work or there's some, a struggle in the family of one, one sort or another. And suddenly that happiness is gone because it's based on those external circumstances. But joy is something else completely. Joy is not dependent on our outward circumstances. It comes from our trust in God's promises, that hope, and the peace that we have with him. And we see actually these three, uh, excuse me, not three of the four Advent themes. Love is the other one that we'll be taking a look at next week. Are mentioned in, in Galatians 5.23 as being fruits of the spirit. Paul writes there, the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. See, the only one missing there is hope, but they all are are founded in our relationship with the Lord. And it's and it's the fruit that comes from knowing him and being part of his family, being citizens of his kingdom. So joy is the the natural result of knowing the Lord. And so so what is this joy that we have? Why is knowing the Lord, knowing what he's done for us? Why does that result in joy? Well, because it's good news. And we see that in the two passages we we heard read for us uh, when the Advent candles were lit. The first one is Luke 2, uh, verses 8 through 11. And here we see this this scene of the shepherds out watching their flocks at night. You know, this very peaceful, kind of serene moment, right? And then out of nowhere comes this angel, this messenger of the Lord. And I love how whenever an angel appears in the Bible, they always have to tell the people to not be afraid, right? Have you ever noticed that? Uh, this isn't just these, you know, nice little chubby babies floating on clouds like we often see in pictures, right? These are angels. These are messengers of the Lord. And it talks about how the, the Lord's glory shone around them. And so it must have been quite an intimidating sight to be one of those shepherds and witness all of this. But this angel, this messenger appears and tells them that, that he is about to proclaim good news that will bring great joy for all people. And so what is this good news? Well, the good news, the word that the angel uses here and that's used throughout the New Testament for good news is gospel. The word gospel is translated good news. Um, it's it's where we also get the word um, to evangelize or evangelistic. Um, it's it's simply means to proclaim good news, to share the good news of Jesus Christ with others. And the term before the New Testament began to use it in that sense was actually a political term. The, the gospel, the good news was, was a message that a messenger would, would proclaim of a victory in battle or the birth or the reign of a new king. That was gospel in that day. You know, it was, the, it was the proclamation of the good news that victory had come, that there was a new king that was reigning in the kingdom. And so it was the message of hope and, and good news uh, to the citizens of that kingdom. And in a sense, this is what Jesus came to preach The good news of Jesus Christ is that there is a new king, that there is victory and that victory is over sin and death, that Jesus would achieve that on the cross. And it's good news because there is a new king that has come to reign and that we can be part of his kingdom. Jesus himself proclaimed this message, and we see it in Luke 4, the other passage that was read for us. This comes from the very beginning of Jesus's ministry. He had been baptized and and went into the wilderness and was tempted by the enemy and, and was, was able to stand strong. And, 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 and then he returned to Nazareth and went into the synagogue one day to, to preach. And he was handed the, the scroll of Isaiah. And it's actually from Isaiah chapter 61, I believe, where he reads these words. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind." to set the oppressed free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So he says, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me. What? To proclaim good news. The gospel, the, the good news that Christ is King, that, that through him we can have our hope and our peace, and that as we'll see next week, God demonstrates his love for us through what Jesus did on the cross. In a sense and, and then I love this part. Jesus then rolls the scroll back up, he goes and, and he sits back down and he says, This has been what you have excuse me, I gotta read it. <laughs> Today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. You know, if they had mics in Jesus' day, that would have been the mic drop moment of that that whole scenario there, right? Jesus was 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 making a proclamation that he was the fulfillment, that he was the good news, that he was the one through whom God was going to do these things. Well, from an earthly perspective, Jesus had a humble birth, right? Born in a manger because there wasn't any room for them in the inn to these probably teenage parents, right? And the most humble of circumstances you could possibly think from an earthly perspective. We see in this passage that there was quite a heavenly celebration that one of God's own messengers, one of God's own angels was coming to proclaim the birth of Christ. And then we'll see eventually this this choir of angels that comes to to sing praises to God because of this moment. We see also that it's good news for all people, not just some. Most um, This this news of Jesus' birth, the, the joy that he brings is not just for a certain group of people that look a certain way or act a certain way, but it's intended for all people at all times. See, God desires that all people be saved. When when God first promised uh, Abraham, right, that one day he would be the father of many nations, and, and that one day his offspring would be what a blessing to all nations, not just the few, not just the certain select people, but to all nations, God would be a, was going to use Abraham and his family, and eventually through Jesus, to bless all people. Somebody once told me that Christianity is the most exclusive. Religion in the world because it, it teaches us that the only way to the Father is through His Son Jesus Christ. Right? Thomas and asked Jesus, "How can we know the way? That how can we know where you're going if we don't know the way?" And Jesus tells him, "I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me." So, from one perspective, that's that's very exclusive because the Bible clearly teaches that Jesus is the only way to the Father. But yet at the same time, it's the most inclusive religion in the world because that invitation is open to all people. There's no stipulation on race or age or wealth or social status or where you live or when you live. That that invitation is open to all people at all times. And so in one sense, Christianity is most exclusive, yet it's the most inclusive religion in the world as well. So it's good news for all people because that invitation is there for everyone. And it's, and it's good news for all people that will cause great joy. It's joy because of what Christ has done for us. It's joy because, because we're able to recognize the depth of our sin and experience the forgiveness of Christ. Last week I shared about how our sin separates us from Christ. That what the things that we've done, the, the our very nature, because of our sinful nature, we're separated from God. And so, for some people, they're able to see that in themselves pretty easily, right? They're able to, to see the, the depth of their sin. They're able to recognize their need for a Savior. And so they have this great joy because that gap has been filled by Christ, that He has taking care of their sin. He has taken care of their shame and, and once again reunited them with Christ. I remember when I was in, in youth group and in college and even in seminary, i met people that had these great testimonies of what God had done for them, right? There's these dramatic stories of they were they were caught up in drugs or or some other issue, right? And they realized that their life had finally hit rock bottom and they had nowhere to turn but to God. And God had kind of gotten a hold of them in that way. And I always thought, man, those are awesome testimonies. I wish I had something like that, right? And so, so it, if someone experiences a situation where they, they recognize the depth of their sin and recognize what Christ has done for them, of course that's going to bring them joy. It's going to bring them joy because they realize that, that God loves them enough, that God has accepted them, and God has made them, and through Christ, God has reconciled them to himself. But what about those of us that don't have those dramatic stories? Right, I, remember, I was always jealous of those people. I thought that would be great to have a testimony like that. But that's not my story. You know, my story is I was raised in a good home. I had great parents, good family. I didn't always know Christ, but I got, I got to the point where I, I through the ministry of my, my church back home, I realized my need for the Lord. And so I was able to put my trust in Him and, and I praise God for that. But looking back, I said, well, I don't have one of those cool testimonies like other people. But I realized that from that perspective, though, I can have joy because I no longer have to try to bridge the gap myself. You know, some people are able to recognize their sin and and see how they're separated from God. And because of that, they see their need for Christ and come to him. Others, like myself at at points in my life, I don't see that gap. I think I can, I, I see the gap, but I think I can fill it myself. I think I can bridge the gap myself by being a good person, by doing what I'm, what's expected of me right, by, by honoring my parents when I was a kid. Allie and I have talked, I am such a rule follower. Like that is just like ingrained in me for some reason. And, and I thought that I could, you know, earn God's favor, earn God's love by, by being a good person in that way. And I'm sure some of you probably experienced that as well. One of the things I've, I've really loved about getting to know you in this church is how many people have just grown up here and, and just kind of always been a part of this church. What a blessing that is. What a blessing to grow up in a Christian home and to have that influence in your life from day one. But for people like that, it may be hard to see the extent of what God has done for us. You see, because that gap, that, that sin is there no matter whether you realize it or not, no matter uh, whether you have a, a rock-bottom experience and turn to Christ or, or you just come to that knowledge yourself through, through like I did through the ministry of, of my local church. But we can still have the joy because we no longer have to try to fill that gap ourselves. That because of what Christ has done for us, uh, he, is, he has filled that gap and He has paid for that sin. So we no longer have to live um, trying to earn God's favor because God has accepted us through His Son, Jesus Christ. And so that brings great joy. And the thing about joy is that it's hard to contain. You know, think of the last good book or good movie or good TV show you've you've. You've consumed, right? One of the first things you do is you often share that with others, right? You got to read this book, you got to see this movie, you got to see this TV show. You know, it's so great. And we do that all the time with the things that we enjoy. We want others to experience that same joy that we felt. And shouldn't we do the same thing with our faith? shouldn't we Shouldn't that same concept be true about our relationship with the Lord? If we found ultimate hope peace and joy in Christ, if we've experienced the love of God, don't you think we would naturally want to tell others about it? There was this, uh, and I understand that that's not always the case. We may not feel, uh, we may feel intimidated. We may not want to necessarily express our faith in that way. It may scare us to to think about sharing that joy that we found um, in the Lord with other people. Uh, There's a story I heard once uh, through a ministry called the Alpha Course about a young man, a college-age student, who, who had that apprehension. He had, he had uh, experienced the Lord. He had felt like he needed to, to make that commitment to put his trust in God and begin to follow Him. But he was very uneasy and unsure about the implications of that. And one of those implications about telling his family... None of his family went to church. None of his family were believers. And so to be like that first person would have been a a big step of faith for him. Would have been a hard obstacle to overcome because he didn't want to then have to go and explain to his family the commitment that he made. Tell his friends the reason why he began to go to church and and why he began to have that, that joy in his life. It was a scary thought for him. And so he met with his pastor a few times, and, and, was, and his pastor was encouraging him to make that commitment, but he was still very apprehensive about it. So one day the pastor said, all right, listen, I'm going to make an exception just for you. You can, you can follow Christ. You can put your trust in him. You can, you can ask for his, his forgiveness, but you don't have to tell anybody. You don't, ha- you don't have to go home and tell your family. You don't have to tell your friends. You know, I'm making an exception just for you. And so the guy was just thrilled about this, right? He did it, that, that apprehension was gone. He felt like there were no more obstacles. He could finally give his life to Christ. And so his pastor encouraged him to go home, to to think about it, to pray about it. And so he went home. He went up in his bedroom, and he closed the door. He pulled out his Bible that he had been given, and he was just reading through it, and he just felt the the weight was lifted off his shoulders. He didn't have to share his faith. He didn't have to tell anybody. And so he he got down on his knees, and he gave his life to the Lord. He He confessed his sins, and he put his trust in God. And immediately he was just filled with such a sense of joy that, that he couldn't help it. He, he, he got up, he went downstairs, and he, his whole family was sitting around the dinner, dining room table, and he, he ran up to him and said, listen, this is the greatest thing I've ever heard. You can become a Christian and you don't have to tell anybody about it. <laughs> the joy that he had in his life, the, the experience that he had, he just naturally wanted to share that with others. It wasn't an intimidating thing. It wasn't a scary thing. When he experienced the love of God in his life, it became a natural thing for him to want to share that joy with other people. And that's really what evangelism and sharing the gospel is all about. Just sharing the joy that we ourselves have experienced. And evangelism is a scary word. I know it is. To think that, that God desires for us to share the good news, to evangelize, can be intimidating. intimidating. But I want to share just a few things of what evangelism is not. And then I want to like to share with you what evangelism is. Evangelism is, evangelism is not um, a numbers game. It's not about just trying to get people to church and get people to sign up for church membership as like the end goal. That's not what it's about. If people do that, that's great. If people come to church and hear the gospel preached, that's awesome. If they want to make the commitment to join the church, that's wonderful. But that's not the end goal. The end goal is to get people to experience that same joy that you've had. And it may sound strange for me to stand up here and say this, but evangelism isn't just for pastors only either. It's something that we are all called to do. Before Jesus went back to be with his father after his resurrection, he gave the commandment to go into the world to make disciples of all nations. That was a command for all of his followers, all of his disciples, not just pastors or paid professionals. It's meant for all people. So what is evangelism? Evangelism is communicating the good news. It's about speaking the message of Jesus Christ. First and foremost, it's about Him and what He's done for us, not about ourselves. It's simply pointing to God and what He's done in your life and allowing other people to see that. It's about being a witness and sharing the impact that Christ has made in your life. The thing about your testimony, the thing about what Christ has done for you, is nobody can deny that. They may not... You know, they may want to argue with it. They may want to uh, dispute it, but or or they may not want to um, put their faith in Christ after the fact. But they can't argue with your your testimony and your witness and what Christ has done for you. Think of the story of the blind man that Jesus healed in John chapter nine. He was called in front of the, the religious leaders twice to try to get him to somehow disparage Jesus and deny him. They were trying to find a reason to to persecute Jesus and arrest him, and so they called this man and, and in john twenty four excuse me John chapter nine verses twenty four and twenty five the man simply responds by saying this a second time they summoned the man who'd been blind. Give glory to God by telling the truth. They said, we know this man is a sinner. All right? They're trying to get some dirt on Jesus. So this man replied, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. But one thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. You see, that was something that those people could not dispute. This is a man who was blind. Something amazing happened in his life, and now he could see. That's all... Evangelism is sharing that testimony, sharing that with others, how God has made an impact in your life. It can be as simple as that. I was like this, and now I'm like this because of what Jesus has done for me. You don't need a degree in theology or anything like that. You just simply need to be willing to share what God has done in your life with other people. In a sense, there's three levels of of evangelism, sharing that joy with others. First is the idea of just being a presence in someone else's life, living a life that honors Christ so that others may see. In Matthew five fourteen through sixteen, Jesus calls his followers to be the light of the world, and the reason for it is so that others may see their good deeds and glorify God who is in heaven. You see, it's not some sort of fake, hypocritical, um, you know, Christianity, but it's but it's living your life honestly so that others may see the impact that Christ has made in your life. Some of the most powerful testimonies are when people can see your joy amidst the hardships of life. Things may not always be going well, but you have a sense of hope and peace and joy because of what God has done for you. And 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 people will see that and notice it. I think of a time when I was in high school, I was working at Wendy's uh and and I worked a lot of like the closing shifts, you know, and things were not uh any of you who have worked in fast food, it's not the most thrilling thing in the world, right? Um, but I just remember somebody once asking me, one of my coworkers, he took to me, looked at me on a particularly frustrating day. He just said, how are you just happy all the time? What's going on? Like, what, what, what is it that, you know, everybody else was mad and angry and, and upset about what was going on. And he said, you just seem to be, you know, happy no matter what. And I still regretted this day because I just said, I don't know. I just kind of shrugged it off. You know, there was an opportunity there because of I was living, I was hopefully living out my faith. I had an opportunity to share Christ with someone, but I missed it. I, I didn't take that opportunity. But it's because I, I liked, I would like to think it's because my light was shining, uh that that opportunity was there. Which leads to the next couple points, uh, and I'll make them quickly. Uh we not only want to, to shine our light, but when we, the opportunity comes, we, we want to have a sense of proclamation. We want to present the gospel in an understanding manner. Living a Christ-like life will often lead to opportunities to share our faith. And when those opportunities arise, we don't want to be afraid to share about that joy we have in Him. I was blind, but now I see. You know, this is the difference that Christ has made in my life because, because He died for me. And I just want to share that with you. Uh Penn Gillette is a famous um, magician. I'm sure many of you know who he is. He's pen and, half of Penn and Teller. Uh, he's also a very outspoken atheist. Uh, and one of the, he, he had a YouTube video he shared. Uh, this is several years ago, I believe. But he shared about how a man after one of his shows hung around for quite a while in order to get his attention and speak with him. Uh, you know, Penn was signing autographs and doing all that sort of stuff. And eventually this man approached him and gave him a Bible with his with a note inside and just wanted to say, this man just basically said, um, I'm, I'm a Christian and I just want to know I'm praying for you and I want you to have this. Just a simple exchange. And, and Penn was actually quite moved by the exchange. And he shared this five-minute-long YouTube video, you know, kind of describing it. and And he made this comment about how even though he's an atheist, he had respect for this man because he was willing to share his faith. He was willing to take a step out and, and share that because, um, because he said, if you truly believe in what you believe, you should be willing to share that with others. And the way Penn put it, he said, how much do you have to hate somebody to believe that everlasting life is possible and not tell them about it? That hit me kind of like a ton of bricks. All right, how much, if we believe what we believe, if we believe that Jesus died for all of us, that he has offered eternal life to every single person, and we just need to respond in faith to that. How much do we have to hate someone to not share that joy with them? And so we want to share Christ. We want to share what he's done for us with others when we have that opportunity. And finally, the third one is persuasion. Not only do we want to live a life that honors him so that others may see, we not only want to Proclaim Christ when we have the opportunity, but we want to build relationships with others so that, so that over time we can have more and more opportunities to share and, and express God's love to them. It's not, sharing the good news is not about convincing people to believe in some set of rules or philosophy. It's about inviting them into a relationship, a relationship with God and a relationship with other believers. And often we need to build a relationship with someone before they're really willing to hear what you have to say. It's not about being fake or hypocritical. It's not about putting on a show in order to get a hearing with someone, but it's about genuinely showing love and care and compassion to others so that they may have an interest in why you're, why you are the way you are. Again, it goes back to being able to, you know, live out your faith in such a way that people want to know what's, why that difference has been made in your life. When you're so filled with joy that comes from knowing God, you want others to experience that. As well, ultimately, it's not our job to save anyone. It's not our job. That's that's God's work. But He may use us. He may ask us to share, but it's His work. One of the biggest reliefs I got when I began to be a, when I when I began to pastor at, at Huntington before I came here was the realization that God that I don't save people. God does. Now He may use me, and I pray that He does use me. But He's the one that saves people, not me. And the same is true for you. God may ask you to, to step out in faith and, and share a little bit about what Jesus has done in your life. But God's not putting the weight of their salvation on your shoulders. That's God's work. He's just asking you to play a part. Maybe one little step along their spiritual journey. But it's a big step. And it's an important one. And so I pray that, that we would be able to have that joy that, to share that with others. One of the ways that you can do this is by inviting people to a Christmas Eve service. Studies have shown that Christmas Eve is the, is the time when most people are willing to come to church who don't go to church or who don't have a relationship with Christ. So people are, are, are willing. They're just waiting for somebody to invite them. So you may have a family member, a friend, a neighbor, a coworker, who you know doesn't have any, uh, doesn't belong to a church or doesn't know the Lord. Christmas Eve is a great time to invite them. And so I encourage you to do that. It's a time for us to spread the joy that God has given us with others. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for uh, this day. Thank you for the opportunity to, um, to share that joy that you've given me. And I pray that you would help us all to do that same, that you would help us all to share the joy and the love that you've shown us with everyone we meet. In Christ we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing the first verse of Go Tell It on the Mountain, number 138. Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.